1: Welcome back. It's the Now News Panel on AMI. I'm Dave Brown alongside Michelle McQuig and Joya Gupta. Let's address our next topic. Veteran news anchor Lisa Laflamme has been dismissed by CTV National News after 35 years. Laflamme says that she was blindsided by the decision. While it is crushing to be leaving CTV National News in a manner that is not my choice, please know reporting to you has truly been the greatest honour of my life and I thank you for always being there. LaFlamme says that she was told in late June that Bell had made a business decision to end her contract. And just a bit of news coming across the wire this morning. uh, Bell has publicly now said they regret the way they handled the uh, releasing of Lisa LaFlamme. And they will have a third-party investigation into what happened around the newsroom. Joita, what aspects do you want to explore in this conversation?
0: Well, it's been talked about a lot this week. I think it was unavoidable that we talk about it here on the panel. We can always uh, you know, discuss uh, the many strands to the story and pull them together and pull them apart. There's been conversations about the independence of the newsroom and whether Bell executives were interfering in the newsroom and whether that conflict has resulted in her dismissal. Some really interesting revelations about whether sexism played a factor and more recently, whether ageism played a factor in her dismissal. And I would wonder, and I, I wonder this as a sort of, now that I'm getting a bit older as a woman, I would wonder if this dismissal has reverberations that go beyond CTV, go beyond the media, and whether this is a story that might in fact resonate with professional women, no matter where they
1: work. So I'm almost not sure where to start there, whether you guys want to start with the isms or whether you want to start with the journalistic component of this conversation. But why don't we start with the sexism? Michelle, how do you think that sexism or ageism may have played a a part in this story?
2: I have to tread very carefully here. Yeah, so do Um,
1: I, quite frankly.
2: Yeah, but it certainly... The the fact that there's so much discussion taking place uh, really speaks to, I think, how strong that perception runs in many circles. Um, those who might not know, I actually didn't really know until recently when chattering with some of my media friends. So Lisa Laflamme quite recently um, allowed her hair to go fully gray. Mm-hmm. And this was a thing that started around COVID. Uh, no, no one could get to their colorist at that point. Um, and apparently, by according to people that I know, it looked really great. And but it also it not only emphasizes her gender, but it also emphasizes her age. And it's a pretty high profile move when you're sitting in an anchor's chair. This kind of thing has has fueled the discussion. There have been allegations that people were not happy with this decision. Uh, Sexism is always going to enter the conversation when you have something like this. And there's another dimension that I think is worth discussing. And that's allegations that people like to try to paper over a potential PR flub by enlisting people of colour as a replacement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Omar Sachedina is now about to take over the anchor's chair, and this should have been a really great moment for him, a very cool moment for the media landscape. Instead, now we have a scandal that has kind of gotten to that point now where I think we can call it a scandal, that has harmed both a prominent and successful female journalist and a prominent and successful journalist of colour. Not a great look for anybody.
1: Joita, you raised it, ageism and sexism.
0: Well, um, I think according to some of the reporting in Canada, Canada land and the Globe and Mail, it, it does seem that there was some sort of tension in the newsroom. And we can sort of dig into the in the independence of, of the newsroom at, at maybe at a later time. But it it, it 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 one gets the impression from reading some of that coverage that.
1: And we lost you. Maybe
0: struggled oh, with no, having Joita's a powerful back. woman in the room.
1: Joita, we had a blip there uh, with you, your technology. Yeah. You've, you've, you've got to go, oh, go, go, rewind yourself yeah. 15 seconds.
0: So, yeah, will rewind 15 seconds. So I think uh, if you look at some of the coverage coming out of Canada land and more recently uh, the Globe and Mail, um, according to those sources, there was there was some conflict in Uh, the newsroom over some editorial decisions. I think a lot of it came down to money and and the way that budgets were being allocated. And we can sort of dig into that question about editorial independence in maybe a few minutes. But the reporting does, or at least from Canada land, does sort of give you the impression that um, certain Bell executives may have been surprised uh, or may have felt threatened by having a powerful woman in the room. Lisa Laflamme was... In many respects, um, a very powerful woman at CTV, a celebrated anchor, a veteran journalist, someone who'd really uh, been there and uh, been on the front lines and has a a very effective track record. And I want to pick up on that point about the gray hair. How many uh, men are allowed to go gray? Um, mm-hmm. How many men are told that their gray hair makes them look distinguished? Uh, apparently, at one point, it was there was a question about whose decision it was to allow Lisa Laflamme's hair to go gray because apparently that was showing up as a purplish tinted uh, under the studio light. Um, so, but but really, whose business is it if you if you are a, a a person and you decide to go gray because you know maybe you can't visit your your hairstylist or maybe you just are sick of coloring your hair, which for anyone who's ever had to color their hair is a nuisance because once you start, you can never you can never stop.
2: And, and it's so, expensive.
0: And it's expensive. Uh, so really whose business is it? I, I think that um, one struggles as a journalist to report on these things objective in an, in an objective fashion. But if you were to ask me whether people with disabilities fare worse than able-bodied people, I would say uh, objectivity notwithstanding that ableism is real and that is true. And I will also say, you know, as someone who has self-identified as a feminist for uh, just about the entirety of my adult life, that I think, uh, although women have made tremendous strides in every walk of life, including holding powerful positions in the media, I will go out on a limb and say that sexism continues to be a factor for women. And we see that play out in ways both big and small whether it is in the way that a prominent news anchor was let go, if if CTV is saying that they are now regretting it, I wonder how much of that regret is stemming from the backlash rather than the way in which they unceremoniously dumped someone who'd worked there for 35 years, um, uh, or in ways that are small, like we talked about during the pandemic where so many women juggled with childcare and, and remaining productive in their workplaces. So I think this is a story where, it does shine a light on some of the challenges faced by women in the workplace.
1: I want to come back to some of the reporting that was done this week in Canada Land and the Globe and Mail, specifically Canada Land was the first one out with a lot of this reporting. And it was quite solid, especially in regards to some of the clashing that was existing between Lisa Laflamme and some of the executives. Uh, Not necessarily in CTV, but certainly inside uh, CTV National News, there was some clashing with some new executives who were put in place around some funding, budgeting, budgeting, for coverage of the war in Ukraine, for the Queen's Jubilee, and a couple of other stories that, uh, that, 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 that the news department really wanted to uh, push push for, and some of the executives were saying, "Nah, not not so much." I I do wonder how much of that is just sort of the modern trend of cost cutting in newsrooms generally speaking trying to do more with less having video journalists do their own editing editing and shooting on location not sending entire crews out to do to do kind of shooting so I wonder if that's if there's some trend here that actually has more to do with ne- not necessarily interference in the journalism, but some stylistic choices that do indeed trickle down to editorial. Uh, Michelle, what do you make of some of those perceptions?
2: Uh, Yeah. Um, Again, I I, I need to proceed with some care here, but I, 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 I think you raise a very valid point, Dave, by pointing out that these, that kind of push and pull and these sorts of conversations are far from unique to the CTV newsroom. I would argue that they're going on in every newsroom, every North American newsroom even, to some degree. Yes, um, I agree. So that where things get trickier and where I'm hesitant to, to put a full trust in... in more hearsay-based reporting is where the individual dynamics come into play, because it's it's just so hard to know exactly what's going on here without truly knowing the parties involved. But there are some real struggles to be had there. That said, the problem now is that the perception is out there, that there's some interference in the newsroom, and that is that stands to do some potential damage to the brand. And it certainly isn't going to do a whole lot to shore up flagging trust in the media more generally among the public, and that troubles me.
1: Joita, some folks mm. call it interference. I would say it's more of an editorial influence. Either way, certainly it's uh, the executive the executive level having an impact on the way news is brought to the viewer. How made mm. that in- impact the perception of the news? Mm,
0: it's, a, it's a really interesting question because I think... Um, on the one hand, in fairness to uh, CTV news, I haven't actually heard of any allegations of straight up interference and I, things like, oh, we want you to cover this political party more or, you know, p- you know, provide a more favorable outlook on the liberals versus the conservatives or yeah. we want you to take a certain political stance. You haven't actually heard that. What you've heard is a lot of squabbling about money. We don't want to send a team to cover the Queen's Jubilee. We can cover it from Toronto. So really, it does come down to a lot of that cost-cutting. And I feel like um, this is a good place to bring in uh, Noam Chomsky and his book, Manufacturing Consent, which uh, if you read, and I'm going to do a really bad job of summarizing it, so if anyone else in the audience has read the book and you want to call me out on my bad summary, please do. But the basic idea is that corporate media exists to... Uh, serve its investors and shareholders, and that it's not really looking out for public interest. And so, the, if you if you are a, a Noam Chomsky fan, you have read Manufacturing Consent. This is the kind of story that's going to get you shaking your head, where you'll say, "There, you see, you see, it it does show you about how uh, editorial decisions are are based less on what the news is and what journal and less on journalistic standards, uh, and more on cost cutting and making money for investors. However, the average person, I regret to say, uh, maybe isn't as engaged with Noam Chomsky and has maybe not read manufacturing consent. I think what is more damaging in this situation is a couple of things. I think the real scourge uh, is that there's a couple of, of a broader trends that are taking place here. I think even bearing in mind that when Lisa Flam was at the head of CTV's national news program, the ratings were very good and they have continued to be very good. Uh, but even so, viewership of the traditional news has been on the steady uh, on a steady decline for the last 10 years. Why? Because everyone's getting their news from social media. So I don't think a lot of people are going to look at this necessarily and say, oh, this really strains the credibility of CTV nightly news or traditional news. I think the much bigger uh, the much bigger problem is the problem that has existed that we have talked about ad nauseum on this panel which is social media and the impact of social media and and people getting their news news from social media and maybe not checking those sources is being critical i, I incredible i think that's the real problem uh, what i want to pick up on is what michelle said about um about the the diversity chess that took place where you you sort of dismiss a high profile uh, maybe in, in this case a white woman and you bring in a person of color and to, to fill that role. And so what what should have been a, a celebratory moment gets really tainted. And so the diversity chess in this situation is really unfortunate. And um, I think that the scandal is probably going to hurt viewers. I've seen a lot of people say they're not going to watch CTV news anymore. I'm going to watch something else. Well, they might end up losing a few viewers over it. But if they think that by bringing in a different anchor, whomever that person may be, they can reverse the trend or the attrition of viewers from traditional media, I think they're barking up the wrong tree.
1: Let's uh move on from this subject before one of us gets in trouble. You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review.